and so I tried to put myself in the context and uh, read before and after what was going on in the time and try and, with a little tone and best I knew how, uh, to, to say what meaning I found in the uh, Hebrew, because it's all Hebrew. This is Interrupting Grace, a podcast from the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm Annie Stevens-Gleason. Okay, I'm Gordon Christensen. Gordon Christensen has been a lector at Redeemer for many years. The lectors read from the Old Testament, and it's a fascinating activity to do. The Old Testament is just so powerful because it's ancient language language that language and text that predate Jesus and holds a lot of mystery as well as really unique stories for all of us. That's Jim Vota, head of the lectors and the poet in residence here. Hi, I'm I'm Jim Vota. I'm the acting head of the lectors. I have been a lector for 20 years, and I have been leading the lector group for the past three years. As a lector and a poet, Jim is in awe of the mystery of the Old Testament, and he often encourages his lectors to, to delve into poetry, to help them live into that mystery. Lectors are readers— And we sort of kick off the Sunday morning service after the initial prayer. Um, The lector will come up and read from the Old Testament from the lectern. Gordon's journey that led him to being a lector at Redeemer began in government and ended in the academic world. Well, I grew up um, out in Salt Lake City. And uh, I came east um, to study at a graduate level uh, international and uh, constitutional law. And at George Washington University, I wrote a doctoral dissertation. uh, This is post-JD work on Roman law. And that uh, became a very interesting source of uh, secular knowledge that I had when I went into the State Department and also later I went, I was a counsel for science and technology in the government in Washington. And then I went into the academic world and I'd like to say that I started from the top and worked my way down. <laughs> because, I, because the thing I loved to do most, most was teaching law, both international and constitutional, uh, to law students at five or six different universities, this being the longest period of time at at University of Cincinnati, where they brought me in as dean and as professor of law. After moving away from D.C., they stayed in Cincinnati. Uh, We stayed. Uh, My wife and I, late wife and I, uh, got married here. It was our second marriage. Both of us had gone through divorces and didn't really want to stay in D.C. Maybe some people remember Fabian. She and I uh, went through uh, some difficult times when she was in the corporate world, 15 years, 
and uh, said she's never going to work for a corporation again, <laughs> and went uh, herself into uh, back for a BFA at DAAP, Design, Art, and Architecture and Design. And then she became a perfumer and uh, created her own business. There were a series of uh, losses that I had. I uh, wanted in my career, I made a vow to myself a long time ago when I left organized religion 50 years ago uh, to never close myself fully to God. I was always open. And so instead of the uh, active service in an organized church, what I did was to think of myself as a person who wanted to spiritualize the secular. And so I swore that I would always serve the public interest for the common good. And that's what I tried to do in my entire career. So we're uh, here in Cincinnati, and uh, beginning in 2009, we had a series of losses. Fabian's brother and my brother both died within three months of each other. Um, later, uh, my daughter, three years later, had married a guy on a rebound from a true love she'd had, but it was a drug addict, and uh, uh, she killed herself with handguns that her scientist husband had left lying around the house in Washington. And that just knocked me for a, <coughs> a real loop, and it did Fabian, too. Um, then our best friends both died. Fabian's best friend and my best friend died. So we had a series of uh, we had a series of losses, and my grief counselor said, "Well, you might need a little uh, spiritual community to be with, and they're good for you." And I didn't know uh, any spiritual community. I've been in church for fifty years. But so Fred McGavern, who was a friend of mine in the literary club, right. said you might take a look at Redeemer. They're, they, they're an enlightened group. They'll yeah. let you believe what you want as long as you believe in, in something. I mean, exactly. <laughs> Taking that advice from their conversation, Gordon made the decision to attend. One day I was sitting at my home on Principio Avenue with Fabian, and I said, something just hit me. I said, I'm going to church. And I just get, got up, and I didn't wait for her. I didn't ask her, you want to come along? So off I went. And I, we had spotted uh, Redeemer on our walks, you know, and watching the, the remodeling. And so I just went in, sat down in the rear pew. I didn't announce what, who I was. and just sat there. And I didn't participate in anything or take communion or anything like that. And then I think it was, uh, I think it was Jane Killam. Mm -hmm. That sat next to me, and she, at some interval, she noticed me, and we got talking, and she says, oh, I want to introduce you to our priests. And so after the procession, she took me out and introduced me to Bruce and Charlie and Nancy, and they were extremely kind and yeah. friendly and warm. So I went back to Fabian, and I said, oh, that's a nice church. <laughs> says, can I come with you next time? <laughs> I said, sure. So next Sunday, off we go. And then and I walk in, they knew me. They remembered right. my name. And Fabian said, oh, see, Fabian was a cradle Episcopalian. 
in D.C. when she where she was born. Right. And then her mother converted her to Catholicism, <laughs> <laughs> and she relapsed immediately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> forgive the. <laughs> so, so we were pot, peas in a pod, you yeah. know. And both spirit. She'd made the same commitment to God. Yeah. Both making that same commitment and feeling home at Redeemer, they jumped right in. So we, we she says to me afterwards, she says, I'm home. That's oh, beautiful. and that did it. That's beautiful. So yeah. we were immediately went into the inquirer's class. We explored my skepticism and her finding her home. And uh, it was just a lovely experience with the with Bruce in uh, the inquirer's class, and we were received in April 2013. And immediately we started to, she just plunged right in and she just loved the altar guild. She was, she was all in for that. She couldn't have asked for something better. She even, uh, well, she took on the, <coughs> the, the lay readers group. We didn't know she was ill. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, uh, we both joined the Bible studies group and the theological circle and uh, it gave us great freedom to express ourselves and everyone was so warm and they abided in my skepticism, in my trying to uh, secularize the, the, the spiritual side of things here. Right, Because right. I'd bring in all my, my academic learning. So that helped for a while. And then uh, I decided that, well, I need to be more active. So I signed up as a lector. One of the greatest blessings is Gordon's reading of Scripture during the stripping of the altar on Monday, Thursday. All of a sudden, on Monday, Thursday, I was assigned to do the uh, the lament uh, during the stripping of the altar. And Fabian was part of the altar guild, and she stripped, and I read that. And since I'd had some sorrow in my life, I felt it, and I put it into my into my lament, and I read that. And the next year, I didn't ask her. Somebody says, do you ask for that? And I said, no, they just, they just assigned me. And I brought the script with me. And so I read it, and the last time I read it was, <clears throat> well, I read it every year since. And I said, you know, I don't have to read this. Somebody else can do it if they like. But the one that I read with the greatest was when Fabian was diagnosed with uh, uh, colon cancer in a late stage, and she was in surgery, and I was reading that. <laughs> so that gave me a special. And from that, I said, that, that's really a spiritual experience you're trying to express, and you can hardly ever express it. Yeah. But you found the words, and somehow the Holy Spirit was with you. And the great sorrow came out from the heart. And so that said, well, maybe you have a gift. So I kept, a, I kept working yeah. on that, and I do work very hard at it. I, uh, you know, I can, I can spout off in Bible studies or quarrel with the theological seminary. That's fun. <laughs> but this is different. I mean, yeah. Uh, I read everything I can, and I fell in love with the Hebrew Bible. Mm. 
I'd never been through the Hebrew Bible before, other than stories in Sunday school when I was when, when I was a kid. So, so I just got thrilled with the rigor of which we would analyze these stories and put them in context, and you know, both with uh, Bruce teaching it and then Phil, and they they differ in their methods, but it's just going into those stories. So I got all these books and, and uh, subscribed to uh, a Yale seminar where Christine Hayes conducted the, it told the creation stories and some of the myths surrounding it. Mm. And, uh, and so I tried to put myself in the context and uh, read before and after what was going on in the time and try and, with a little tone and best I knew how, uh, to, to say what meaning I found in the uh, Hebrew, because it's all Hebrew. Right, right. So that's how I got connected with the. Yeah. And I considered that a, one of my one of the best Save spiritual experiences I had. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in de deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. My God. My God. More in number than the hairs of my Why head. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our ancestors trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not human, scorned by others, despised by the people, all who mock me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. This is a poem yeah, uh, that I like you. quite a bit by Mary you Oliver. The, the title of it is Messenger. You kept me safe on my mother's My work breast. is loving the world. On you I was Here the sunflowers, there the hummingbird equal seekers of sweetness. Here the quickening yeast, there the blue plums, here the clam deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished the Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture and the pasture, 
which is mostly rejoicing, since all the ingredients are here, which is gratitude, to be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes, a mouth with which to give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to the sleepy dug-up clam, telling them all, over and over, how it is that we live forever. Thank you to Jim Votoff for his contributions to this episode and for his reading of Mary Oliver's The Messenger. And thank you to Gordon Christensen for sharing his story. He is truly a messenger in this community. And from Cincinnati, Ohio, the Queen of the Midwest, this is Interrupting Grace, a podcast from the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer. And how are you the Interrupting Grace?